0: On this episode of Resi Week, Access Networks has a new CEO, Remote Work, as well as LG's new QNED. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is Resi Week, episode 258, Longer Runways. Support for AV
2: Nation is brought to you by Access Networks.
0: Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. Uh, I'm your host, Matty Scott for AVNation.tv. And this week, uh, we are pleased to be joined by my good friend, Bryce Nordstrom. He is the new CEO of Access Networks. How are you doing, Bryce? good how about you i am doing fantastic uh just a little housekeeping before we jump in um we're, we're going to chat with bryce real quickly uh, about some some cool changes that are going on at access networks and then we're going to jump into the panel so stick around uh of course after we talk to bryce uh let's we're, we're going to kick this off as i uh, alluded to into your introduction uh, bryce is the new uh ceo over at access so first of all congratulations my friend thank you That's uh, a that's a fantastic thing um, for, for both you and for the, the company. Give us a little uh, a little backstory for anybody who maybe hasn't interfaced with you yet uh, or, or doesn't know a ton about access networks. Uh,
3: sure. So, I mean, my personal experience has been I've been uh, kind of in the AV industry for the last, uh, I guess it's been... Residential now, it's been 14, 15 years. Before that, I was in car audio. There's a lot of guys out there like me that started out in car <laughs> audio <laughs> and uh, decided that they wanted to make a little bit bigger paycheck because there's definitely more money on this side of the fence than there is in car audio. But um, outside of that, you know, I, I've been with Access for for a little, little over seven years now, coming up on eight years. Um, and with Access Networks, you know, we're a uh, uh, provider of, of residential network, uh equipment and products and services and have been doing that since 2006 2007 somewhere in there so that was Haggai feiner who was the ceo until just recently and uh, he started the company and now is the president and the founder of and the the big vision behind access networks
0: um so yeah it's it's been a been a great ride well let's talk about that for a minute because you know uh, obviously you and i have chatted quite a lot over the years we, we do a lot of interviews at a lot of the different shows uh, with you so you're no stranger to our audience by any means um making a transition into a role that was held by Haggai, who let's be honest he he's a big personality he is he's he's a big guy just in general those are big shoes to fill how do you go about making that transition and you know not only doing that internally with with the other, uh, members of the the company, but also externally to all you, all of your dealers and all of your your industry partners, and and making a seamless transition.
3: Uh, seamless is probably a little bit aggressive. I mean, it, it, <laughs> you know, to have no seam in there was going to be difficult. You know, it's something that a Guy and I talked about about two and a half years ago. Uh, he was actually doing my review, um, and he asked me where I thought I wanted to be in a couple of years, three years, and I and and I turned it around on him, and I said, "Where do you want to be?" And he was taken aback by that because he never really thought about it. I don't think he'd always just, you know, I'm going to be the owner. I'm going to be the CEO for the rest of time. And that is what it is. And uh, I think he, when I asked him that question, because I told him I wanted to be CEO at that point. And I think when I asked him that question, he just kind of started, the wheels started turning, like, what else would I like to do? What else could I do? And we started laying that groundwork pretty soon after that, that that was a possible transition that would happen at some point. Um, there wasn't any time frame put on it or anything like that. There was no, you know, like, Hey, you know, this date, we're going to do this. And this date, we're going to do that. And so on and so forth. It was just, if it works out and it makes sense, then that's where we'll end up. And, you know, Hagai has a lot of really big ideas and comes up with some, some pretty, you know, he, he really has a pulse of the, of the market and um, just kind of understands what people are looking for. And uh, a lot of people at access networks have that same kind of ability, but but then, when it came down to actually executing things, you know, I'm the I was the sales guy. I had to move the sales number, right? I had to move everything forward, figure out how to, to get that move forward. So when you when somebody comes to you and says, "I have this idea," my brain starts working about, okay, how do we implement that? How do we get it done? How do we move that okay. in? And luckily, uh, there's a bunch of other people at Access Networks that work the same way. And I had started taking more of that kind of that role outwardly facing for the company of of bringing new products, of being the spokesperson about who Access Networks is, what our position is, what the products that we do, what our services are, um, those kind of things. And so it was just kind of this natural transition of, I mean, I'll just come up with some big, big ideas every now and then, then you go figure out how to make it all work. <laughs> and so that's kind of where we're at now. And um, you know, he's, I think he's happy to be able to, to take on some other initiatives that he has in his life. And, uh,
0: and I'm happy to, to embrace this role and, and see where we go next. You know, I'm, I'm. I want to get into some of those kind of kind of growth opportunities and 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 market side of things for a second. Um, but just before we do, one of the things with you know somebody like Haggai being involved so much and, and being that figurehead, um, how do you how do you go through you know working with someone who has been obviously the boss for so long and making that that move to you know coming up from 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 where you were in in the sales role to then being a part of those conversations Mm -hmm. and being a part of those those um those ideas i think it's i
3: think it's the explicit trust that he's put in me and that trust wasn't just external that was an internal uh message that he has been working on for for a while um when we would have business discussions or discussions about, you know, where we're heading or what we're doing, you know, a lot of times he and I would be very locked up and in sync from day one. Um, mm-hmm. We we see things very vividly the same way, and um, I think the internal message has always been, you know, this is this is what we're going to do, and Bryce is going to help us get there. And there was a lot of things that that I pushed the envelope on. Um, the other thing that I, I'm not afraid and never have been afraid to do is, is talk to him like another owner because I've been owner, an owner of other companies. Yeah. And so that's a little bit different for some business owners to actually have somebody that actually comes up to them as an owner, even though they're not and says what they think. There's, there was probably, there's probably a dozen times over the years where I've said, okay, I'm going to say this to him, and I may not have a job tomorrow. (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's, it's wearing it, it's being open and honest and wearing it all out there and, and believing in what you're saying. So.
0: That, that's a huge part though, to, 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 be able to take ownership without being an owner. Right. And it, th- that's something that you don't rarely see, which is, which is fantastic. And, you know, I applaud you for that. Um, let, let's talk for a second about, about growth. This is the, the, the thing I've loved about access networks, following you guys for, for so long and, um, I, I'm trying to think back to when I first met Haggai and, and how long ago that was. And I want to say it was a, it was really early. It was uh-huh. a couple of the first, if not the first, CD Expo that they exhibited at. Um, you guys, as a, as a company, have really kind of developed this internet IT base that the industry's latched onto, uh-huh. right? I, I know there's other vendors, and, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But y- you guys really push that envelope heavily. As as the industry continues to to push really heavily on and, and lean on infrastructure, where does that where does that put you guys? Where does that put access networks and, and what's the future for access networks look like?
3: Yeah. So, you know, every every two or three years probably we look at the market and we go, okay, well, there's this technology coming and maybe that ends our runway. You know Mm -hmm. maybe there's this technology coming maybe that ends our runway and the reality is that that none of them really do they all make the runway longer and you know we are just scratching as an industry we are just scratching the service of the surface of security services yeah you know security as a service to to residential integrate or to residential end users and that's something that um you know, we've got an offering out there. We've got multiple in the pipeline that are revolving around that. And it's such an untapped potential in our industry. And the, the, the biggest issue that we see moving forward is convenience versus security. And that's always going to be a problem on the residential side. People at their businesses, they don't, you know, they're only there eight hours a day or nine hours a day. They don't mind being a little bit inconvenienced uh, because of some cur- some security measures that somebody put in place. But when they go home, what they want is convenience. They want that ultimate convenience. They want to be able to just, you know, turn it on and go and not worry about, you know, approving this or worrying about this not downloading or that not opening or those kind of things. And so that's that's the thing that's going to take some time for our industry is to really fine tune that stuff to and actually do it with a level of security that is robust enough to protect you. Because there's lots of little things out there that you can do to, you know, URL filtering and those kind of things. And, right. And those things are are out there now but the problem is that they're not really protecting you from the threats that are available that are that are out there now that are so much more complex and complicated and and um more aggressive than you would ever believe you talk to some of these companies in the that really protect um fortune 500 type companies and the stuff that they're seeing out there is just insane i mean look at this this last thing that we saw in the news with Solar winds. You know, this is these are very very um, uh, smart people behind these these attacks, and um, that will eventually happen in the residential space. There will eventually be somebody that gets accessed in a way that it it ruins lives and those kind of things. And so, what we're really trying to do is we're really trying to to get a get ahead of that curve, right? really trying to get ahead of that curve and, and figure out, you know, how can we apply what they're applying to the residential or to the inter- or to the commercial space and to the enterprise space, but do it in a way that still allows some kind of convenience to it.
0: it and it's is not, that it's sorry, not, sorry,
3: ahead. Ahead. I was going to say, it's not something where you just flip a switch and now it works. It's, it's yeah. something that's going to be a learned process. And that's where we think there's a huge potential there in the market um, on top of all of the new technologies that are coming out. You know, behind Wi-Fi and and uh, and the devices that are being added to the market
0: is that arguably the the toughest hurdle right now in the, in the industry is how to. I remember years ago you and I talked about the advent of commercial grade appliances essentially, mm-hmm. um, in, in network terms, um, coming into the home and how there was occasionally pushback on that. Because, well, we don't need that massive, you know, Cisco switch or access network switch or, or whatever it is at the time. Is the security that type of conversation as well, where it, it, it's arguably, I, I would agree with you, it's probably the biggest potential, but it's also maybe the hardest avenue to go down. It, it'll right. be met with the most resistance.
3: Yeah, it, it is. Um... There's some things that are working in our favor right now, specifically work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, that's exposing a lot of weaknesses on residential networks and, and what the, the the attack vectors are that are available now. I mean, take, take your business that was centrally located and there was 500 people in an office building and take all of those 500 people and put them in their houses. And, and how many more attack vectors have you just created by moving those people into their homes? <laughs> you know, where their desktop is sitting unlocked for an hour because they got up and went to... To get some lunch and they have a house cleaner in the house that's punch- punching the buttons or they have their kids that are you know like z- zooming pictures of themselves out or whatever may- whatever the case may be right that these are the kind of things that become more and more um as we move forward into this the the work from home as being the normal because there's a lot of companies they're saying they're not going to put a lot of people back in offices they're going to allow mm-hmm. them to continue to work from home Um, that's, you know, schooling from home, all of these different things. And yeah, there's, there's this huge potential and it's always going to come down to training people because human error is one of the biggest potential threats in residential or in, um, network, uh, attacks. Right. So clicking on something that you weren't supposed to click on, so on and so forth. And then what are the services that we can create and the, and the products that we can provide. That will actually allow somebody to, to have some level of convenience while still having a level of protection that makes sense for their for their lifestyle.
0: Yeah, that's, that's It's a very,
3: very difficult thing to find, and it's not, there's no magic bullet. There's no one thing you just put your finger on it and say, that's the thing. You know, right. it, it takes some time. So, you know, in some respect, we say, bear with us, because <laughs> it, it does take some time to figure this stuff all out.
0: Yeah, and it's constantly evolving of course. Right. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Let's let's change topics real quickly before I let you go. One of the things that uh in in not only the press release but also just the way you guys have have managed this transition that that I absolutely love is you're not the only one who who got a promotion. Obviously we're talking to you and again congratulations, but there's a there's a group of people that are are moving up and that are adding on talk for a minute about how, how essentially effective, but also encouraging it is to be able to not only move up yourself, but see others within the company continue to grow and excel.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the most rewarding parts of, of being in some type of leadership position in the company, Uh, whether it's, you know, this level or, or, or a level, two levels ago or whatever it is, when you see people that come in and they've, they've made an obvious difference in the performance of the company and, and how we work and and what the benefits are and, and and they've come into the company a lot of times when we brought them in we have brought them in just because of who they are you know you take alicia you know alicia well yeah take alicia henley as an example She's not a ton of experience in residential and very little experience in networking um, as a whole but look at her. I mean, she's killing it. She is she is a rock star on our team. Totally. Yep. And um, you know, she's very visible in the market and she she has deserved um she deserves the the accolades and the respect that she gets. And you know, she's a top notch person. And that's what we look for over anything else is top-notch people. Um you can if somebody's intelligent and um and a go-getter and has a never, you know, never say die attitude kind of thing. Um, and is, is focused on details. You can train them to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, with the right people in the right. And we feel like we have that foundation already created. So it's really about the people more than it is about what they're doing. And we've had several people in the company that they weren't in the right position. And we look at that person and we go, okay, so what we know about them is they can do this, this, and this. So what can they do for access networks? Cause we don't want to lose the person. Mm-hmm. We want to put them in a place where they can contribute, empower them to be better, empower them to make a difference, empower them to feel fulfilled, to do all of those things. And we've, we've made those transitions. We've moved people around because we don't want to lose the person. And I think that's the fulfilling part about being in leadership is, is making sure that when you're looking back, it, all the people that you've brought on over the years that you're saying, okay, those people have made a huge impact and they feel fulfilled and they feel like part of the culture and they feel are rewarded by the fact that the company has given them the opportunities that they've needed to, to do and 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 thrive that way. So um, that's more rewarding to me than, than a lot of the other things that we do yep. as a company. Um, you know, the sales figures and all that thing are great to pay the paychecks, but seeing people succeed is, is 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 a great thing. So
0: I, I will say that uh, you know, again, having followed the company for years, that is as much as you've had fantastic success as a network company. The the leadership principles and the way in which, as a company, you guys work, has just been fantastic to watch. And Thank you. Uh, Again, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for for spending a minute with us. Again, congratulations, and uh, we're looking forward to everything else that Access Networks is going to do in the future. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, let's go to the panel. Uh, today with me are two of my best friends. I think I can call you that, whether you feel the same way or not. I don't care. Uh, and- you're, you're, you're my least favorite Canadian.
1: I'll give you Perfect.
0: that. Perfect. Uh, that gentleman right there is probably, I, I've known you longer than I've known Uncle Richie, which is shocking. Yes,
1: but I've known Uncle Richie longer than I've known you. Me and that Uncle is- Richie are OG AV Nation people. I know you
0: guys are OG. That man right there is Bradford Ben. He is the principal advisors at the
1: Advisors Group. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Thank
1: you. I gotta here. say, Tim, I'm gonna say something that, and Mitchell, make sure you record this. That insight, that interview that that Tim did was really insightful. I don't even think we can we can add to that at all. I, it was. No right on the money
0: mm. nothing nothing the other gentleman with us as mr bradford alluded to is uncle richie richard fergosa he's the principal at fergosa design how you doing richie
2: mellow west coast self-quarantine greetings i uh, j- actually just got back from bradford's coast and so uh glad to be on and yes uh brad and i are og and and you're absolutely one of my best friends no matter what anybody says about you matt
0: so. oh thanks buddy
1: I yeah, didn't list, say he wasn't my best friend. I just say said
0: long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was, he's the Canadian I, didn't, I liked the least, the least, which is saying a lot.
0: Well, yeah, but I also know who I'm up against. So
1: Yeah, you're up against Brock. Yeah, I, and no, I take JV that as Ninja a loss Ninja. any day. Yeah, and Patricia.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get it 100%. Um, before we, we kick into a couple more stories, I do want to touch real briefly and send our condolences to uh, the Crestron family, heck, the industry family as a whole, uh, over kind of the, the holiday break Crestron lost Fred Bergetzi. Um, I had met Fred a couple of times. I, I was not close with him by any means, but I can honestly say he was one of the nicest people I've ever met within the channel. Um, Rich, I, I know you went back a ways with Fred. Um, th- this is a huge loss. There's a huge loss to obviously Crestron, to Fred's family, of course, um, but, but really to the industry.
2: It, it's a huge loss to anybody who knew him. Um, Fred is, is, is one of those special people that come across your life, you know, uh, and to mix together um, that amount of brilliance and that amount of humility. Uh, in his brilliance uh, mm-hmm. you know I mean he just if you didn't know Fred and if you didn't know what Fred did you would never just looking at him he, he was just he's just so un- unassuming and and I mean I, I go back with Fred to I want to say 1991 was the first time that I met Fred um, he was a trainer at the time um, this is back in the day where at Crestron they still had sting- single extensions Um it, in the old days and and he was my very first restaurant trainer uh my very first class uh, that i took uh, my first restaurant class that i took and he swore up and down every single time that i told this story that it didn't happen but i am saying it here (laughs) i'm saying it again the truth is sometimes stranger than fiction he's the only person who's ever thrown me out of a classroom as well. So I was a 21-year-old punk kid. He wasn't that much older than me. And uh, this was in the days when we would have our training classes in hotel conference rooms, and we didn't have laptops then. So this was table upon table upon table rows of monochrome computers set up, all still running MS-DOS. And me being the 21-year-old kid that I was at the time, I got bored halfway through the class. And so Rather than actually focusing on the information that Fred was providing, I was going to everybody's computer. And, and uh, in the old days, in, in the DOS days, there were little, I guess you'd call them Easter eggs now, but hidden in the program, there used to be these little commands that would launch stuff that, you know, the, the guys who wrote the operating systems were funny. And there was one called Gorilla.Bat. And if you typed that in, it <laughs> launched a game where it was two gorillas on skyscrapers next to each other. And you typed in coordinates, basically, and you flung gor- uh, bananas at each other. And so during the middle of this restaurant class, while he's trying to maintain order, I'm running around to everybody's computers and I'm turning on this game. And you're hearing the ding, 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 So, yeah, he threw me out. Um, however, it was before lunch and I guess he had a change of heart. Because at lunch, uh, I guess I was contrite enough, um, and he let me come back in. Uh, but that is always what I will remember uh, about. For, and like I said, I tell the story. I've told the stories for decades, and he'd look at me. He's like, "That didn't happen." I'm like, "Dude, how could I make something like that up?" Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, and there's been such amazing testimonies to to his life. I mean, I, the side of friend that I knew was always through Crestron and and through my different iterations of my career, um, you know, we, we didn't always talk that often, but when we did, it was great. It was just Freddie, you know, I mean, for me, he was just Freddie. He was Freddie Bargetzi. And at the same time, I understand how everybody else. Knew Fred Bargentzi, CTO, knew the driving force behind the engineering, and he was such a quiet driving force. What Crestron is now, and to say that he isn't, um, you know, would be a disservice. But I mean, the testimonies that um, Julie Gibson wrote, Todd Puma wrote one. Um, I mean, all of the the outpouring. It's not even. It doesn't even scrape the surface of of the impact that he made, and it made on me. And you know, I mean, I'm I'm really gonna miss him. I, I just. I said, I just, you know, I knew he was sick, but it it just, you know, at 53, you just don't expect that, you know, as, as a 50 year old man myself, you know, um, and if nothing else, I guess, you know, the legacy that he left and the impact that he makes, I mean, not many people get to make that kind of impact, um, like he did. And, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was definitely an honor and a privilege to, to know Freddie.
0: Yeah, very much so. All right, gentlemen. Let's uh, let's move on to our uh, kind of second story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. How remote work can help solve the challenge of hiring AV talent. Uh, this is actually the perfect, like perfect story to have both of you on for, because uh, this is to a degree kind of what you both do now. Um, through the story, uh, they go through and talk to Pro AV Systems out of Massachusetts on their, their quest to find some qualifying uh, design engineers and how they were able to uh, source that remotely and working through the, the the benefits and the challenges of that. Brad, l- let me start with you on this, Bradford. When you see this, you're someone who, if you don't know Bradford, um, one, get to know Bradford, but two, uh, you've had a, a long history within the pro AV community um, you've done stuff on a level that it's a short list. Uh, when you see this, now that you've started your own consultancy and you're helping firms with design and, and with uh, really just how, how to do this business properly, what are, the, what are the pitfalls to look for and to overcome when you go to outsource uh, either an individual or a company? Uh, to, to remotely hire them.
1: Well, I want to be careful here because the article is talking about remote working and outsourcing, and the yes. two are different. I understand the slips, no problem, uh, but both have the same requirements. There are some slight differences. Mm-hmm. And one of the advantages I had or disadvantages, take your pick, when I was working at my previous, previous employer you know, for many years... Uh, n- for about five years, none of my coworkers worked in the same building as me. One was in Michigan, one was in, at, at the Martin factory in Denmark, one was in LA, one was in, at that point, they were in Lakeland, Florida, one was in Salt Lake City. We were literally all over the world. And we were, quote unquote, collaborating online, which to me is no different than working remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we did. I think the bringing people on remotely is something that's a little overdue. And I'm, I'm not going to say it's a good thing that came out of the pandemic, but I think it forced the migration to understanding that technology workers and with the right technology, you can work anywhere. Because as I said on Chris Neto's AV in the AM yesterday, uh, I was on the road 75% of the time for about 10 years. So I was a road warrior working remotely, not calling it working remotely, but I think it comes down to a couple things to make it successful that companies are now starting to embrace that will, are what required for this. I think A, it's a good thing uh, because what it means is that you can now, as a integrator, you can hire the best talent you can get. You know, if I wanted to hire a good guy to help me fix my microwave that's not talking correctly uh, and knowing that I'm putting the popcorn in, I'm going to call Uncle Richie. He's in San Francisco, but we have technology to be able to work it. You know, so I think it's proving that you can now get the right person for the job no matter where they are, which is a good thing. But the other thing I think is is we as an industry and as companies are starting to understand these tools and how to use them properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the advantage of working distant is huge. Uh, I live in Florida. Cost of living for me is a whole lot cheaper than it is for you up in London, Ontario, Canada, as well as for for Richard out in San Francisco. So all of a sudden it becomes more practical to be able to hire someone that way but the other thing i think that's going to happen as a result of this is beyond the the pool being able to work it's going to be better for families and this sounds weird being that i don't own any kids you know it's just me and jennifer in the house and that's it is now you don't have to do the i would love to take the job but i want to wait until the kids get out of school Mm -hmm. or you know we can't afford to move because of my sister-in-law and but doesn't matter you have the ability to telecommute, you can work remotely. I think this is showing people that's possible and people are understanding it's not as big of a leap as they used to think it was. Now, there are still some challenges to be overcome. And I'm going to use some of our aviation meetings. I know it's kind of inside pool, but I'm still going to use them as an example of all of us when we have aviation stuff, we all get online, in a meeting, even though some people are in the same location as Tim, but having two people in one room and one person in another room doesn't work. Having every person remote and on the phone as an equal footing works. And I think those processes are coming in little stuff. Like I have a document cam at home now, so I can review drawings. Everyone's starting to get tools. I think it's, it's a great thing for the industry. It A, allows people to be the best person and, you know, all of that great stuff to find the right person for the job and not do the, this is what's in my area. It allows people to take jobs without having to move for whatever reason, but it also allows like the way I'm, I'm sending up the advisors is it allows just hire me as you need me. And then I can go away and another company can hire me as I need me. And it allows people, I don't want to say gig economy, because that's not what this is. It's project-based work. And it allows companies to scale. So I think it's an overall great thing that for us in the residential market, I think where it starts to come in is that integrators can start doing the, you know, if you're going to be working from home, you're going to need an overhead document cam. You might want better lights. You might want a better green screen. You might want a camera that does better focusing than using your inboard one, maybe a better microphone, some noise proofing, you know, all that type of stuff. So it's a growth industry for the home and residential, but it's also just a growth industry overall, because now you can hire the right person no matter where in the world they are, which is actually kind of an amazing thing. It really is. And that was a rant, but, you know, I let Richie tell his story. So I had to go on. But I do want to up. know something. Were there bananas served at lunchtime?
2: Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> main, main plate.
0: Richie, when you see this, this is something that... And I'm aware that there is a, a difference between hiring someone to work for you remotely full-time versus part-time versus uh, subcontracting to someone. But I think the challenges of bringing on someone who is remote, whether it's a temporary basis or a full-time basis. Those are pretty similar. We're, we, we split hairs a lot on that one. Um, as someone who has done this for years, heck, back when I met you, you were already doing this. Uh, you were coming in as a hired gun to, to, to solve problems. In the commercial space, this is a little bit more commonplace, but in residential, a lot of firms take the approach as, as Bradford alluded to of, Hey, we need everyone in house. We need everybody here. And it's a smaller team. So they very rarely are going out to look for someone to, to fit that. How do you, how do you ensure that when you do go out to find someone that you find the right fit and and, and the level of trust is there?
2: Well, You know, I, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you both alluded to, you know, kind of the point that I was going to make, which was it's, it's, this is commonplace in commercial, you know, it's, it was, it's just how you do business, how you scale, you know, sometimes you get a project, I just flat enough, not enough bodies to get the job done. And so in the commercial industry, you know, whether it's ed tech, whether it's government, whether it's corporate, you know, any of those, you know, you got 150 boardrooms you got to deploy on, uh, you know, on a tight schedule, you just physically need bodies, and so you know, pro companies have always seen that as as just a a method to be able to deliver. However, and I will say that you know, it's 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 kind of the the unknown. It's kind of the known but unspoken. Is that generally documentation in the pro industry is a lot better in the, than the residential industry, and so not so fast. <laughs> generally, again, now. I thrive in and I've made a business on helping companies get from the drawings on a napkin to, you know, uh, a, a spec that that can be delivered and deciphered and maintained and revised and archived. Um, but, you know, with Resi, you are typically dealing with smaller companies uh, and you're dealing with guys who are kind of jack of all trades, right? You know, it's they're the CEO, they're the installer, they're the programmer, they're X, Y, and Z. And so, the problem sometimes for these companies is not that they don't want to hire out or get assistance, it's that they can't get them the information to get the project done because it's held in somebody's brain or it's you know tightly knit between the on-site field manager and the owner of the company or somebody who does sales. So it's a logistical issue, really, which is okay, you know, we 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 have all of these resources available to us. We don't have the tools to be able to get them to succeed, uh, and so I Lynch. think what
1: <laughs> and so the I same think- thing happens in the commercial industry. This is I, I think this is every branch. But please go on.
0: It, it, it's the mat- maturation of the industry, though, is that we need to get to that point.
1: Absolutely. I
0: mean, you
2: you you should be able to, as a company, as an integrator, to be able to have a field commissioning packet however you put it together, that allows someone with the technical competency, you know, and you've got high level techs and you've got entry level techs and everything in between, but the the minimum competency level to perform a task, to be able to, you know, pre-wire from location A to location B, to be able to hang a display, to be able to label the wire appropriately so that when it is terminated back at the head end. I mean, these are all, Again, they should be common sense kind of things. But in the day to day running businesses, you know, I mean, again, we 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 always talk about the theoretical. You know, this is the best case scenario, how it should happen, X, Y, and Z. Um, But there's the real world, and there's lots of guys out there that are struggling, and so they're just trying to get paid, and they're just trying to get the work done, and it's just them, and they're balancing 15 other things, and they're overwhelmed. So this is more a matter of saying hey it's okay everybody's in this same boat (laughs) you know you don't have to feel bad for admitting it and that there are services out there available who will make life easier for you and the hardest time is you know sometimes especially in resi gosh forbid that ego gets involved and you know the idea that they should they're doing it better than everybody else uh and so i view it as a, a way that it's it's a little bit more transparency and that's a good thing, you know? And again, like I was talking about, you know, humility in business, it's, it's, it's the hardest and the most uh, liberating part of maturing as a company is that humility to be transparent, that it's okay to collaborate and get help.
0: Yeah. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap this up real briefly. Uh, This is CES week and nothing has really dropped yet due to our recording time but LG is planning to demo their first QNED mini LED TV blah 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 blah, blah. um this comes to us from residential tech today uh if you don't if you haven't heard of QNED. This is a a combination of quantum dot and nano cell technology where they're going to use a mini LED as the light source. Uh, This is supposed to have better brightness and contrast that are far superior to conventional LCD TVs and likely better than OLED. Uh, Uncle Richie, I'm going to come back to you real quick. This is obviously, as I mentioned, the start of CES week. The start of uh, launching, uh, hopefully, a, a bunch of new cool technologies, including this one. LG is already at kind of the the peak of kind of quality as well as cost when it comes to their OLED line of of, of panels. Is the new QNED going to be just a, a showpiece for them, or is this something that you see being commonplace? fairly quickly
1: it's 2021 richie's muted
2: oh gosh i'm sorry i thought you were talking to brad and not me i'm sitting here going it's
1: great thing. I, it was like just like being on a meeting again see remote working and having having these shows are the same would you like me to talk for you richie and you can talk i would for love me? for
2: you to talk for me brad because i'm sitting going this is your wheelhouse and i'm just like kind of sitting here going i can't wait to hear what brad's gonna say
1: you did start with with richie right Matt? i did 100 okay, I I, I hey, hey, <laughs> that's fine so i'll start i'm, I'm so, sitting
2: here going this is gonna be fascinating
1: bradford same question. Okay. <laughs> so. Let me start. First, I want to say, and this is not an insult to residential technologies, 100% not. This is the least informative press release I have seen in weeks, months, if not years. Because this is also the start of CES, right? The start of CES, they do. I understand that, but I also think Volcanoes it's one of these the things, start. it's the start of CES, so you're, and we're not there, so your press release better tell us what we're missing. But I'm not blaming residential tech it's one of those things where after I read this article, I had to then go back and dig through notes and look at stuff, etc. I think the concept is good. I think the concept is interesting. I think it's probably going to be a year or two away. And I think the whole, Oh, we can do an eight K TV with it, or sorry, an eight K display. No one uses TVs. I'm showing my age now. Uh, is going to be interesting because at 86 inches, which is their currently largest size, that's like one pixel per, per pixel, which is nice and great resolution, but how far away from the display do you need to be? Uh, so that's a whole nother story. But I think the whole, I think this move is good because it's going to help with the color space. And I've become a color space snob recently. I'll be the first to admit it. I learned about it. I got to see it in action. REC 2020 versus P3 versus uh, Adobe RGBS. We can talk all about that stuff. And it's red, green, blue spectrum, if you're curious, since I used an abbreviation. Uh, But as you go through all that, I think this is going to be a big move because you're going to have a high contrast, good color depth, all of that. What I'm interested in is just how great the black is going to be because they're saying they can do a million to one on the color ratio which is they're going to have 2500 dimming zones i'm like well that's going to be pretty impressive but i'm not sure it's going to be able to keep up the other thing i'm very worried about with this technology is how well the latency is going to be set between audio and video All of that processing time Uh, for those of you who aren't watching i did my bad godzilla impersonation uh, but i do think that's something i do think that the idea of going to that integrated surface is going to be good Mm -hmm. i think it's going to allow some economy of scale for them because they can almost cut a piece of glass to size and still have the leds and the pixels they need Uh, i think it's a nice next step i'm going to be very interested to see how well it lives and expands because i'm not sure it's not going to have dimness issues and how are they going to do color calibration and brightness calibration across that many pixels if they're mini leds yeah uh i also think it's another one of those things that looks and sounds really great kind of like oled and transparent oled and flexible OLED, and not all of those have shipped yet or been affordable. Uh, But I'm interested to see what it's going to do. I do like the idea of that it's smaller and maybe more efficient. Maybe it's not. I'm interested to see the color speed, and I'm interested to see the off speed. And this is one of those things where I miss a live show, because no matter how we look at it on YouTube, you're getting YouTube compression and then looking at it on your own screen. So it's not going to be the same. I think the technology is there. I think Samsung and other companies are going to be right behind them. I think the move is great. Um, you know, they're saying they can do with a refresh rate of up to 120 Hertz. Yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive, Mm -hmm. but I'm also wondering if that's a limitation because QLED and some of these other ones can do 240. So I don't think it's going to be a command and control display. It's a home residential display. And I think you might get to a point where the Blu-ray or other source might be better than it. And at the same time, it might reveal the compression if you're streaming. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's got a lot of potential ads. I'm just kind of Interested to actually see it, if that makes sense. 100%.
0: It's a display. You kind of have to see it. Um, I'm really glad you brought up Samsung because it meant that I didn't have to. Richie, one of the things that I've dealt with, and I'm sure every other integrator who works in Resi has dealt with, is the debate between OLED and QLED from Samsung. And depending who you talk to, there are pluses and minuses on both sides, and, and one is better than the other, again, depending who you talk to. What I find interesting about this is LG has obviously been a huge proponent of OLED, and they have downplayed, shall we say, Quantum Dot for, for quite a while. They're now using Quantum Dot. And to, to, to contrast this, Samsung is expected to announce a Neo uh, QLED as well this week. Which is their version of uh, essentially quantum dot and a small—they don't—they don't—they don't say mini, but a a small LED, <laughs> micro LED, shall we say? Yes, micro LED. Um, and if if I'm reading between the lines, it's some of the technology that's in the wall it is coming into an actual traditional panel size. This hits a point to me of as Bradford said. You, you have to see this to, to see the quality level. We know there's a lot of limitations when you surpass 4K and get into 8K and get into some of these things that the human eye can discern. At this point, are, are, are we going to be there to where side by side, yeah, they, they look good. Great. Let's just spend money.
2: You know, it's, it's kind of the luxury watch debate at that point. Um, it, here's how I view it. And, and again, I think we're, we're almost getting to the point where it's kind of the fatigue is starting to set in again with the display technology. Uh, you know, we, we had, you know, no pun intended, quantum leaps in display technology at five-year clips, five to seven-year clips. But at this point, beg- begun the mini LED wars have. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's it, Brad made one specific statement that pretty much nails all of it. streaming. Mm-hmm. So it's phenomenal that we've got these specs of what the technology can do. but we're not using physical media or we're not using local media necessarily, to push uh, these displays. In fact, what we wind up doing with these plays, like Brad was saying, is that we may be pointing out the inefficiencies in it. You know, it's like saying, you've got a great sounding MP3. Well, yeah, it's still an MP3. It's not a live performance. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, let's put it this way. Remember when we first started going to 4K, people hated the soap opera effect, right? But that was close, you know, Peter Jackson's, um, you know, when when Peter Jackson had, had uh, changed how his format was when they were recording in red uh, and people started seeing you know the video of it and they hated it because it was completely foreign to how they viewed the material up to mm-hmm. that point point. Uh, and I think that's what we're running into I mean for me I look at it as you know in in performance space in live yeah I mean push the boundaries of it that that That's where all of a sudden it starts making sense. But now that you're coming into the residential arena again, we have to take into account a very significant way that we we now consume this uh, content. And the reality is, is streaming's here. You know, I mean, I've got clients who, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll, go over the pros and cons of the quality of the physical media or, you know, a company like Kaleidoscape or, or any of those. Uh, but I have, I can't gloss over the fact that I know that they're going to wind up using their set top boxes, or they're going to use an Apple TV, or they're going to use a Roku, or they're going to use any of the 50 new on demand for 4.95 a month services that are out there. You know, so we're heading into this really weird fragmentation again, And the problem with it is that there are no standards in terms of how it's being delivered. You know, you're seeing all of these ads for all these new streaming services. Not a single one of them has ever touted the picture quality of the stream. It's just, we've got 55 channels for this. And, you know, we've got specialized this and that. Well, that's great. But realistically speaking, you're not necessarily going to see the difference um, in that content coming through with a model from last year and these new models coming in. I mean, are there performance enhancements? Absolutely. Are there gonna be long-term technology advancements? But as an early adopter, does it make sense? I mean, there's always gonna be early adopters and they're gonna, I mean, you're you're always gonna have somebody who wants bigger, better, faster. But we're, like I said, we're reaching that saturation point where for me, I have a hard time making those recommendations because I'm looking at it going, you know, people are asking me, I'm like, I don't know. Because I'm looking at what you normally watch, and chances are, I know that three of your kids are sitting there watching it on their phones. So how am I going to how am I going to advise you to use this screen when I know that you may not even use it? And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's been again, it's it's the 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 value proposition of these displays of these fixed panel displays. I, I mean, you could buy a 65-inch TV for like 250 bucks. Imagine saying that.
1: Fifteen years ago, <laughs> i saying that three years ago. Three
2: years yeah. ago,
1: yeah. Well, Imagine actually, saying that I do in Canada. Ask you, yeah, I do want to <laughs> ask okay. you a question, Mister Re- Mister Mister Fergosa. So, for those of us who remember mastering and digital transfers and all that, do you think that this new technology is going to result in better mastering? and conversion practices. I'll use an example and see what you think. So for those of us who are old and remember when Star Wars originally came out on celluloid film and then the Empire Strikes Back and you had Palpatine uh, with the darkness around his eyes that was done as a video effect. It looked great when it was projected. You look at it on a display. Yes, it was a VCR, but you looked at it on a display and you had these big black, against a gray background. It showed the difference between a projected medium versus an emissive medium or reflective versus emissive. Do you think that this new technology is going to require more skill in the conversion as well as more interaction between the display and the source? Because I'm like looking at this going, I remember when people were mastering for iTunes, different than Bandcamp, different than Zoom, different than, you know, the real player and take your pick. At one point, Britney Spears' song was mastered, I forget the album, but this was like in 2005, came out in 227 different formats to match the hardware yep. and the codecs and this country versus that. Do you think that these displays are going to drive that and now your set-top boxes and your other displays are going to start going the, well, I have to compensate for this and do that, and or you think it's just nah, no one's going to care.
2: I think there is going to be filmmakers um, always who are going to look to preserve their art in the best way possible. Uh, I think that, again, if you're consuming a YouTube series or a Netflix series or a Hulu series or whatever the series du jour happens to be. Uh, I think that there are some out there from a content standpoint are committed to providing quality content. There's also just a lot of bad content out there these days too. And it's just, you know, you're churning the stuff out. So, you know, is there a definitive yes or no? No, I think that, um, again, for a filmmaker, I think it's gonna be a great tool. I think absolutely, as you can remaster, as you can, push the boundaries of, you know, maybe your your legacy portfolio. I mean anyway, we've we've seen it in some of these where, you know, all of a sudden some of these services will basically say, "Yeah, we've upgraded you to UHD at no cost." You know, because we it didn't cost us much mm-hmm. to perform yeah. this task. So that becomes the differentiator for them, you know. These streaming services can charge an extra $3 a month for HD. You know, so, you know, are there income opportunities? Yeah, but it all comes back to that. If there's income to be made, for making the difference, yeah, they'll go for it. But if it's going to cost them and they can't recoup it, no, they're not going to do
0: it. Well, that. let's keep in mind that there will be some level of artistic expression that's taken. You take someone like James Cameron, who is incredibly particular about how he films and how his product is edited. And you know, I remember seeing something years ago when, when the RED camera came out. And he was talking about how he wanted to use it and how it had changed some of his workflow for, I, I don't remember what, what product it was that he was, uh, w- what feature he was working on with that. But it, it, it had changed that format. And then you go back to, what was it last year, year and a half ago, when episode seven or whatever it was of Game of Thrones came out. And artistically, it was incredibly dark and and shot darkly and no one could see it because their TVs weren't calibrated to that type of content. So I, I think you're going to have a weird caveat where there are certain productions that will be, uh, or, or will take advantage of some of the new technologies. But again, it comes down to how they want to master. And if they're going to master in 4k for something that is Going to be shown on 8K, that might look a little different than if they're mastering in 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 8K. Um,
1: but it, at it, the same point, you can't take something that's mastered for 8K and play it on 4K and expect it to sound good. It's the whole thing with yeah. You can't rip a D, uh, CD and expect it to sound good in MP3. No, but I just want to know. Yes, is the Qned as I'm calling it going to be more of a hit than than home 3D or less?
0: it'll depend on price point. I, I, I think it'll depend on, it'll depend on price point. And if I can take kind of my, my, my media hat off for a minute and put on my Omega, I own an integration company hat. I can we, take the show over. No, 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 it's right, this, we're, <laughs> we're, we, To anyone who's still with us listening, it's because of these two guys and how long we go back that we just, this is what happens. Sorry, Mitchell. Um, we have a lot of clients that want OLED. They want that 98 inch LG OLED until they get a quote for it. And then they go, you know what? That Q60 that's, you know, 75 inches at two grand looks amazing. Let's do that. It, it's like anything. And, and Richie alluded to it. The, the early adopters who just don't care, they will go buy whatever they want. Um, I remember we were in Amsterdam, uh, last year, the last show, last show we went to, um, and I was talking to, uh, some people from, from Samsung about the wall and they were, they were talking about a a project that was going down where there was a, a large number of them going into a residence. There are people that don't care and, and money is not an object. If they decide they want it, they will do it and they will go purchase it. So when it comes to QNED, knowing that we don't know, we don't know sizes per se, we don't know cost, we don't know availability uh, because right now just availability in general is up in the air for every product if you haven't been paying attention. No idea when these are going to hit. No idea what price point they will come with. No idea what installation might look like. I think it has the potential to be a great hit, the same way 4K became a, a, a really big product for a lot of clients or for a lot of customers. I don't think it will be a blip the way 3D was. Because at the end of the day, two years, we may talk about a 4K TV the same way today we talk about a 720 TV.
1: I don't, it, two, two years might be, with you. Two, two years
0: might be too soon, but I, I remember, man, I remember back when we started selling 1080p. I remember when we were selling 1080p cameras and how big of a stretch it was for people to buy broadcast 1080p and they would just go to 720 because it was affordable.
1: And not, this is where residential and my experience and engineer or commercial. Changes because I have worked on 16K, 32K, and mm-hmm. up displays, but they're, I believe the technical term is frigging huge. Uh, I might be incorrect, but you know, it's and that's
0: the name of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, there's, we have a wall, or sorry, my former employer, Harmon, has a wall at their experience center that is a one pixel to one pixel 4K wall that is one point, I forget what the pitch is, but it's pretty small. And it's probably 16 feet by 9 feet. Yeah. Actually, it's bigger than that, but I'll just go with that for now because it's probably 18 feet by 32, and it's huge. And I'm looking at that going, you could double the density and I wouldn't be able to take it in. And we can look at some of the you know, other places of there are times where the size – of the display cannot do the resolution justice. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that as a bad thing. I'm not saying 8K doesn't matter. I think 8K ingestion for content, so you can do a digital zoom to 4K, unbelievable. It's fantastic. But I think, you know, at some point, if you look at an 8K display from 10 feet away, are you going get, to get the full benefit of the cost?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I think in the consumer world,
1: it's just a little machine that keeps going. So you think it's house jewelry. And mm-hmm. I hate to use that term, but it's a yeah. term I use of the, I need the 96 inch display because my neighbor has an 86 inch display.
0: The, the number of clients and, and other integrators I've talked to over the years who tell stories of their clients going and get a neighbor when their project is done so they can bring them downstairs and show off the Ferrari. That's the media room is you you've heard that from everyone, whether or not these new products, these new TVs are needed or warranted or a incredible upgrade over the existing display that's in the house may or may not matter. And down the road as, as that cost comes down, Like I still remember the first OLED I saw, at NAD, or sorry, NAB, at NAB, and it was a Sony. I want to say it was 14 inches. It was a calibration monitor, and it was something like 22,500. It was insane. Now, you can buy a heck. You can buy that 98 for about 10 grand. It, it's just. It's a matter of time. But, gentlemen, we should leave it there. Otherwise, no one will ever listen to my show again because it's so stinking
1: long. Yes. Maybe we, we could to... edit it up and do, you know, what I should do is I should just take an offshoot of this and create my own show. You should, and I should be your first guest. I was going to have Richie as my first guest. Well, that makes sense. You can so, ask well, Richie if he'll have you on.
2: You can be the guy off to the side saying, that's fine. Oh, okay. Bradford Ben's
0: show. Hey, I, I I would be a good Higgins. I can play the Higgins role
1: okay i'll think about it
0: all right all right gentlemen thank you so much uh if you've stuck with us this long uh thank you <laughs> uh mr Fergosa, if people want to connect with you learn more about Fergosa design where can they do that uh
2: type my name into the interwebs uh you can type in my name uh fregosa design you can find me on twitter at r uh, but first and foremost, as I always say, the best place I hope you can find me is here on aviation.tv on our suite of shows, obviously here with you, my good friend, Matt, but also we have our show on the control system automation industry called the State of Control with my very good friend, Steve Greenblatt. Um, and so come see us uh, and uh, obviously follow our, our, uh, our supporters. So that's the best way.
0: Excellent. Mr. Ben, thank you so much, sir, for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Advisist, and if you are a residential firm, especially if you're trying to make inroads into commercial, get to know Bradford.
1: He's really smart. more than happy to help. I've done this before. So the first thing is you can find me at advisist.com. You can find me on the Twitters at Bradford Ben with two N's. You can find me in the Googles or the DuckDuckGo, which is my preferred search term uh, at Bradford Ben. Also, starting on the 13th of January, you can find me screaming at the Canadian hockey teams uh, uh, because NHL will start up again. And then, as we teased briefly during the show, come back to AV Nation soon. Uh, In February, we're hoping I will be launching my show. Name is still being debated, I kid you not. Tim made the mistake of going, sure, what the heck? So there will be a Bradford show of some sort coming in February. Uh, so we'll definitely start that up. Uh, look forward to that. And of course, don't forget, Swing Back by AV Nation. You cannot vote for me for AV Professional of the Year, mainly because Tim said I was ineligible because I'm an owner or something.
0: Uh, but you beat everyone. I know. It, it but, wouldn't even be fair.
1: Go there, take a look. Vote for who you want to. It's definitely something great. We want to make this a people's choice, so to speak, uh, so that we have the people's champion, not to be confused with The Rock. uh, But we do want to have the people's champion uh, up there, as well as some great products in there. And, of course, now that the bears have been eliminated, I guess we can stop talking about Tim's bears and Luke. But so with that, definitely appreciate the time. You had all sorts of places to be. We hope we added a little levity to your life uh, for this past hour or so. Uh, but yeah, Matt, what do you got to wrap up with? Uh, just
0: the, the the standard wrap up. Thank you again for joining us today. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.